Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, just before we begin the podcast, just a quick message for you. We are starting our very first Story Slam of 2021 and we need your help. The theme of the evening is community. And we are looking for stories about a time where you felt part of a community or maybe a time you didn't. If you're interested in telling a story, you can come along to a free storytelling workshop on January the 6th, which is a Wednesday. It'll be 6.30pm Irish time. And if you're interested in taking part, as I said, it's completely free. Just email story at the Dublin Storyslam.com and put storytelling workshop in the subject box. Uh, we'll talk to you about what goes into a great story and how to share one at the Dublin Story Slam. So if you can make it January 6th for that free workshop and then the show itself, January 13th. So two dates for you to kickstart off 2021. For more information, visit the DublinStorySlam.com and let's begin the podcast. Hello and welcome to a very, very special episode of the Dublin Story Slam podcast. It's been a while. We have uh, been taking some time out working on some projects related to the Dublin Story Slam, keeping the show on the road, trying to do lots of new shows uh, across the online platforms that we've all found ourselves existing in. But we decided to come back uh, to put together one last podcast to finish off the year 2020, but also to really welcome in what's going to be an amazing year, which is 2021. So this is the Dublin Story Slam podcast, Hope. So as we speak, uh, I'm currently waiting uh, to hear on news to see what the numbers are like today here in Ireland. They've just shot up over the holidays and every single day you find yourself taking like a deeper gasp. So who knows uh, what's going to happen come six o'clock. But it did get me to thinking that while we're kind of waiting and anticipating and maybe getting increasingly anxious about these numbers and and what's happening with COVID, uh, it's really important time to reflect on that most precious of things that we all need right now, which is the idea of hope. So what we've done is we've chosen three stories uh, that have been all recorded online at some of our online recent events. And 
you know, this has been a bit of a, a learning curve for everybody, I think, even for the storytellers, for the audience members, even for ourselves, myself and Colm O'Regan, who hosts uh, each of our online shows. It's been a really big, steep learning curve. But what's been wonderful to see is all the new uh, faces, um, people joining us from overseas that you know, previously wouldn't be able to be there at the physical show. They can tune in to hear some amazing stories. So our first story is going to come from our most recent story slam, which was our Christmas fundraiser. The theme of the night was animals, and it was in aid of a wonderful animal rescue called My Lovely Horse Rescue. And these guys are absolutely incredible, literally traveling the country, you know, finding, rehoming horses, ponies, donkeys, and and since then, lots of other um, animals trying to give animals a second chance. And that's what this story is about. It's about giving ourselves a second chance. Okay, so here is Kerry Ward. So on the Thursday in October, we filled in a Dogs Trust rehoming form. And two days later, we were driving home with a very obese, uh, very flatulent pug with serious anxiety issues wondering if we knew exactly what we were getting ourselves into. So I grew up with animals. Um, There were always dogs and cats in my parents' house. And so when my husband Peter and I bought our own house in 2018, it wasn't a matter of if we would get a pet, it was a matter of when. But the timing never seemed to be right because we both worked long hours. uh, We had a busy social life and we were planning some big travel and we had great plans of going uh, traveling, hiking the Himalayas in Nepal in the springtime. So every time we had the conversation, should we get a dog? It just didn't feel fair to bring a dog into our house. Then, of course, the pandemic arrived. When the pandemic arrived, obviously it brought lockdown, it put an end to our social lives, it meant we were working from home, but for us it also brought illness. Uh, My husband and I both contracted COVID-19 in March, and although I recovered within a few weeks, um, Peter didn't. So he had what they're calling long haul or long form COVID. Um, Doctors don't really understand it just yet, but it's a long form of COVID that brings with it symptoms that include uh, muscle weakness, um, fatigue, uh, palpitations, heart problems. And in his case, he developed a secondary heart condition um, and severe uh, fatigue. So he had to give up work and I became his carer. And uh, that was in March, Uh, we were uh, infected. And uh, by June, when he turned 30, he was able to walk for between five and 10 minutes at a slow pace um, before he needed to rest. There were still days when uh, having a shower or getting dressed were all he could manage and he couldn't go up and down the stairs. It was a complete change and it was very difficult, especially because he had always been very fit and we had enjoyed hiking and cycling. Um, So the recovery was slow. By October, he was thankfully able to work from home again uh, and he was uh, able to go for slightly longer walks and help out more around the house, which was great. But the psychological impact of being sick for so long had taken its toll. He was very low 
Um, and he just wasn't himself. He'd lost a lot of his spark and I wanted to do something that would help him. So when I saw Bella on the Dogs Trust website, she was advertised for rehoming with her friend, Charlie. Charlie and Bella had been surrendered together and they needed to be rehomed together. So two dogs that were already best pals seemed like a great idea to me and we applied to adopt them. The next day, however, we got a call to say that Charlie had had some surgeries to help fix some serious health problems and they hadn't resolved them. He essentially was never going to recover from his health issues. As a result, the only option was for them, unfortunately, to put him to sleep. So they wanted us to take Bella home immediately so she wouldn't have to be in the kennel missing her best friend. So we said, of course, and we went out and we met her to take her home the very next day. So when we met Bella, we learned she was a Pug Jack Russell Cross, also called a Jug. She was five years old. Her tail wagged her whole body when she was happy. If she saw a tennis ball, she would lost her little mind. And she was a very sparky little dog. When we brought her home, we learned that she had very severe separation anxiety, which is where a dog is scared to be left alone. This is normal in a lot of rescue dogs but it was very severe in Bella. So for the first week, every time I went to the toilet, she sat outside and cried and cried until I came out. She couldn't sleep by herself. So we had to put her bed in our bedroom. And because she was obese and a pug, she snored like a congested walrus. Not only that, but the obesity meant she was on a special low fat dog food, which made her fart unbelievably. So I don't think I got very much sleep that first week. But I could have put up with the farting and the snoring, but her anxiety was very, very difficult. It was very stressful. Um, having this little creature in our home, looking to me for support, struggling to bond with us, struggling to trust us. I was really overwhelmed. I think I cried every day for the first week that we had her. And I kept thinking, how are we ever going to give her a happy home? You know, if she can't be confident by herself. What happens when we go back to work? And I wondered if maybe we weren't meant to get a dog after all, if I'd made a mistake. But one of the wonderful things Dogs Trust do is that they offer lifelong support to anybody who adopts one of their dogs. And I got in touch with their behavioralists who gave me loads of suggestions on ways we could help Bella. And I also turned into like a dog psychology sleuth. I spent all my time on the internet reading about this and how I could get into Bella's head and help her feel happy. So they gave me lots of suggestions and soon we were working on building her up to being alone for a few seconds and then a few minutes, uh, doing things to help her trust us, um, giving her lots of fun food puzzles that she could play with so she wouldn't be uh, too bored if she was left alone. And gradually, as the weeks went by, we started to see her change. But as I saw Bella change, I also saw Peter change. He started being able to take her for longer walks he seemed to stop worrying so much about the future. I could see that Bella being there was starting to give him a little bit of his spark back. And that was really amazing. So I never thought that getting a rescue dog would be quite the roller coaster that it has been. Bella has lots of behavioral issues beyond the separation anxiety. She absolutely loses her shit if she sees or hears another dog. Um, and she needs work, but so do we all. And I've decided that the times when I felt like giving up 
it wasn't Bella I was giving up on, it was myself. And if I have that confidence in myself, then I know that we can turn her into the dog she's always meant to be and give her the home that will make her happy. So I guess the only thing left to say is that every animal deserves a second chance. Um, I think my lovely horse have that ethos and dogs trust you too. And sometimes when we save a rescue animal, we're really getting rescued ourselves. That was Kerry Ward there with a beautiful, heartwarming story about second chances and, you know, I suppose the importance of animals. And um, during the online shows, we've seen so many people pop up with their pets in the background and they're just like really close friends, you know, so I'm not sure even a pet would quite cover it. But that is Kerry Ward. If you want to find out more information about the rescue uh, that we were raising funds for, we managed to raise over a thousand euros uh, on the night. My lovely horse rescue. Just Google them, find them. Um, they are absolutely fantastic. And if you can help them, there is plenty of ways in which you can do so, including buying a custom made craft beer. OK, so you get nice and toasty while also, you know, helping out a really good charity. My lovely horse rescue. OK, on to our next story. And this story comes to us from Maraid Murphy. Now, Maraid Murphy was uh, going to be one of our Grand Slam finalists before the rug was pulled up from underneath us all. And so Maraid has still been sharing stories with us ever since, well, since March, actually. Wow. And Maraid uh, told this story, which was just so uplifting. And, and it comes, I think the, 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 the brighter the stories are, the kind of more challenging are the experiences in which they're set. So in the aftermath of war, um, that's a tough place to set a story, but it's actually one where you'll find, you know, a really bright and, and powerful message if you're just ready to listen to it. Okay, so this is... Maraid Murphy. The springtime of 2016 was a really dark time in my life. My dad had just died in January after a long, cruel illness and watching him fragmented by Alzheimer's. And five months before dad died, my mom had died. So I was grieving an orphan at 50 and looking around the world to see to find a way of, of moving on. And the news headlines were full of the most horrendous images of refugees coming from war-torn Syria. Elderly people, pregnant women, children, little babies, all traipsing through, finding boats, trying to find a way to safety, to peace. And on Facebook, there was a call out for breastfeeding counsellors and lactation consultants to come and help to some of the, the camps. Now I work as a lactation consultant, it means I help mothers with breastfeeding and it's the job that I absolutely love. And hearing my profession being called, it was like hearing a friend calling your name on the street. I turned and I answered and I checked it out with another few friends who were also breastfeeding counsellors, is this, is this real? Is this, you know, a scam? And after a bit of research, we found the need was real and they really did want us to volunteer. So none of us came from houses where we could just put our hands in our pockets and pay for a plane ticket. 
So we started um, a little bit of a GoFundMe and we're absolutely blown away by the generosity of people that knew us and people that didn't know us, just knew of us. And we ended up with over 5,000 euro. So we booked our flights to the island of Chios and to Suda camp. It was basically like a car park of an ancient medieval castle. And there was lean-tos and tarpaulins and tents and a microcosm of, of human life there. There was depression, there was mental illness, there was people who were missing loved ones. It was absolutely atrocious. We, we did the very best we could do. We had to go through every tent, count how many babies were there, who was pregnant, when was she due. We went shopping every evening in a shop, something like Little, and we put together packs of food to give to the mothers who were breastfeeding or the mothers who were pregnant. And of course, what did the mothers do? What would any of us do? But they gave the food to their children. During the time we were there, one thing we really, really wanted to do was help form some sort of lightness, some sort of togetherness, some sort of community for these women in this camp. None of them knew when they were going to be moved on, what was their future? They felt very stuck there, very isolated. So we organized a breastfeeding support meeting on the Wednesday of the second week we were there. And one couple that I went to, to ask the mother to, to come down to the meeting, her husband was very reticent to let her go. She was a very, very beautiful young Syrian mother with a, a little, little toddler under, under one. And for some reason, she was losing her sight in one eye and the sight was gone in the other eye. And they didn't know why uh, there was no doctor really seemed to give a damn in the camp. And obviously, understandably, her husband was very protective. And I promised him that I would bring her, take her by the arm and escort her down to the meeting with her little one. And I promised him faithfully I would bring her back safely. When we were down at the breastfeeding meeting, it was out in the, in, the, in the air in a green patch near the camp. And we had brought down chilled wedges of watermelon, biscuits and juices, lots of food, celebratory foods. The children were delighted. The mothers started chatting to each other, comparing stories, admiring each other's babies, exactly what we wanted, swapping names. I walked as I had promised, I walked the mother who was going blind back up to the tent and herself and her husband spoke in their own language in low tones to each other. And then they turned to me and in very halting English said, will you take our baby home with you? It was like a thump in my heart. And as best I could, I held on to my emotions. And I said, I love my country so much. It's so beautiful. We have peace, we have nature, we have beauty. But the one thing we do not have there is a parent's love for their own baby. You must hold on to this baby. Don't give her away. You must hold on to her. You must love her. She needs you, nobody else. And whatever the future brings, you must stay together as a family unit and never let go of each other. There is a happy light at the end of the story. I kept in contact with the greatness that is Facebook. I kept in contact with them. Eventually, mom and her little baby were moved to Germany. 
followed months later once the paperwork was sorted by her loving husband. They're now living in Germany. They have safe accommodation. Their little girl is now in play school and she's been joined by a little baby sister. Mom got the hospitalization and the treatment that she needed and now her sight is perfect. They've both put on weight, badly needed, and they are happy. They have a future. They're not quite sure what that is, but they are together and they are holding on tight. Thank you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. That was Maraid Murphy there. And Maraid and and her husband and Stella. Her, her she also has a rescue dog. Um they've been coming along to our shows and just, you know, been lovely little beams of, of, of happiness whenever we've spoken uh, to them. So um just another really wonderful story there of hope in been found in the most, you know, unlikely of places. So we're going to finish off this uh, very special episode of the Dublin Story Slam. It's our last episode of 2020. We will be back, obviously, in 21 with lots more stories and more about that later on. But we wanted to finish off with a very, very special story. And, and this doesn't come from Dublin. It actually comes from Leitrim. Isolde Obrulacan Carmody, she took part in this workshop that we held with the Ballyfermot Chapel Lizard Disability Action Collective. And they are a organisation that is basically all about bringing people with different disabilities, whether that be mobility issues or sight um, together or, or learning difficulties, bringing a, that community together in, in just for a cups of coffee, but also to, to kind of put on shows. And they have spawned this beautiful close relationships with all, everybody and they, they have been staying together, you know, online. Um, but obviously, you know, while things were th- tough before uh, in terms of getting out and being included in society, uh, it's even more difficult now. So it's all they told this story uh, on a night that was uh, the theme was together. And uh, we wanted to kind of bring people into the world of somebody living with a disability and, and, and just, you know, 
explore that idea that it doesn't literally define them, that people are, are still people, you know. So this story, I think, really just brings us on that whole journey of what it's like to, to, to find out your disability and to, and to live with it and then to, to redefine yourselves and begin all over again. So this is a wonderful, beautiful story that is set, uh, again, recorded at our online um, shows. And this is Isolde Obrolchan Carmody. I was born into a house of music and I came out dancing. Both my parents are professional musicians in the classical tradition and there was Radio 3 on in the house day and night. I was also born visually impaired, just like my mum, just like my older brother. And while we got on with most things just as normal, there were hard times, uh, particularly in school, like in primary school, I had to sit up the front of the class in order to see the blackboard and then I had to use a monocular, which is a little single half a binocular, um, in order to read what was on the blackboard. And it's actually literally in the last couple of months that I realised that this exposed me to bullying um, because the other people that were up the front of the class were the people that the teacher wanted to keep an eye on. So I didn't really have a choice about who I was sat beside a lot of that time. And it did make things very difficult. But I did have an escape. And that was dancing. I'd started ballet classes quite young. And as my mother would say, it's not off the ground I lift, licked it. Um, my aunt was a prima ballerina. The Irish National Ballet happened to be founded in my grandmother's living room. So it's hardly surprising that I went to ballet lessons. And in those classes, I didn't have to worry about recognising faces. There was nothing that I had to try and read off a blackboard. I could just go into myself and just let my body express who I was and where I was. And that was my liberation. That was my free space. Now, even though I didn't keep up the ballet lessons, I was told, for example, that my ankles would never be strong enough for me to go on point. But Dancing was still always in my life. Uh, when I got into my early 20s, um, I was at university and doing quite academic study. Um, but I offset that by becoming what I believe to be Ireland's first professional blind fire dancer. Um, I was also going to tango clubs, um, getting involved in cabaret. I directed two iterations of the Rocky Horror Picture Show and always took on the, the, the choreographic role uh, with that as well. Um, so, but in all of those different realms of different types of dance, it was still a question of the music telling my body what to do. And it was, even though I also was studying other things at university, I had to get that space of being myself and the, the release and freedom that came with dancing. Now, around the time I was turning 30, um, standing upright became an issue. Um, and pretty soon I reckoned, well, I can't be standing when I'm at a party because even if I found a good place to sit, you get up and you go for a drink or you go to the loo and someone intercepts you and starts talking to you. And you're there stood in the middle of the room going, I'm not concentrating on what you're saying because all I can think about is how quickly I can sit down again. 
So I reckon that what I really needed was my own bit of portable furniture. And the first bit of portable furniture I got was a wheelchair from a local charity. Now, this was very much a pre-loved model. Things started falling off it and it really didn't feel worth trying to stick them back on again. So after a certain amount of sort of entropy and decay, I was in need of a new bit of portable furniture. Now, one New Year's Eve, I was out with a friend. We were going down to the supermarket to stock up for the night's festivities. And we had all of our booze and snacks and all those necessary things for a New Year's Eve. And he'd been pushing me around the supermarket in one of those complimentary wheelchairs that they have for people like me who can't manage standing very much. Um, and we went out and packed all the shopping into the back of the car and then had a quick shifty around and then folded up the wheelchair and packed that into the back of the car as well and drove off home. And that was my yellow pack wheelchair, which again, it had pre-loved and uh, one of the foot rests was never in the right position. So again, as things fell off, it didn't feel right worth it to put them back on again. At this stage, this was getting really problematic. I needed to use the wheelchairs much more as my condition was deteriorating. My upper body strength is no good at all. It's no better than my lower body strength. So then it was down to the, the local occupational therapist in the health service and another one-size-fits-nobody, slightly pre-loved beast of a chair. And the beast ended up with a, a wonky axle. And that meant that if I was trying to turn, one of the wheels would actually lift off the ground and just spin in place. And sometime around then with, you know, chair falling to bits, I went to an end of year show uh, at the College of Dance where my ballerina aunt had been teaching. And I loved going to these shows. There was this wonderful mix of different types of dance and these students at the beginnings of their careers, always a treat. But at this particular one, I just felt, well, that's never going to be me now. Um, I said goodbye to my identity as a dancer. And I realized that I hadn't even listened to music very much for years, because if there was music, I had to move, and if I moved, it hurt. Um, so it was a moment of going, okay, that chapter of my life is closed. But I was still trying to live a creative life, trying to be involved in artistic forms that I could manage. And my proverbial eye was caught by a workshop that was going on in my local art centre. And it was calling itself Cross Arts Play. And I thought, well, that sounds interesting. And the idea was that people using different art forms would come together and spark off each other and, you know, general creative buzz and happiness. And I thought, yeah, let's go see what that's about, not knowing at all what to expect. And what I found when I got there was a space full of 
music and dance. There were people playing flutes or whatever portable instrument they could get a hold of and other people moving and dancing with them and around them. And in particular, there was a guy who was playing what I think must be a double bass saxophone. And that's this ludicrous kind of conglomeration of tubes and it's taller than I am most definitely and it hits those low notes that you can only really feel down in your belly and I was sat there on the sidelines in my wheelchair and going I have to move I can't stay here I have to move and I thought well I'm not going to be doing any pirouetting or grand jeté but I can lie on the floor and so I got out of my chair and lay down on the floor and started moving and did just this crazy improvised duet with this bass saxophone player rolling around on the floor, crawling around, waving my legs in the air. And it was astonishing. It was so much fun. I mean, when I got home, my knees were actually black and blue like I, I bruise easily but I haven't seen a color like that before um, and I resolved that next time because there was definitely going to be a next time I was going to wear some knee supports <laughs> and give myself a chance but I also thought well you know it'd be nice to have a wheelchair that moved a little bit easier than the beast that I've got at home and I managed to borrow one off a friend of mine and she's tiny. She's a teeny tiny person who loves extreme sports um, and goes kite surfing and Lord knows what else. She's totally bonkers. But she had this really nice, small, neat, lightweight wheelchair. And I thought, well, you know, I'll have that for backup and go along to this workshop. And if I need to take a break, if I need to be sitting for a while, then I'll use that. And so the next workshop came and I was in the chair and suddenly there was a whole new landscape, a whole new language of movement that I had not expected and didn't know existed because of moving with wheels. And when I had been at the previous workshop and was dancing, it was like getting a limb back that you had lost. But this was like growing an entirely new one that you didn't know you had. And it just was liberation, utter liberation. I had that same lightness and joy of movement that I remembered from when I was a kid. And I could move with the music and other people. And it was just, it was so unexpectedly marvelous. And I must have just bored the pants off everyone talking about this because a little later it was my 40th birthday and one of my oldest friends handed me a birthday card and inside the birthday card was this massive wadge of cash and a message saying for a dance chair and I had not expected anything of the sort I hadn't thought about it because my own specialist chair seems so far out of reach. It's not a cheap thing by any means. And that was what enabled me to get Martha. And 
Martha is my dance chair, named for Martha Graham, who's a contemporary dancer and choreographer. And she does a lot of things in spirals. And with Martha, I do a lot of spinning. Um, it's technically a sports chair, but it's just, yeah, that is my new limb. And it is part of me when I dance with it. And with Martha, I've done two or three performances where I've actually been paid. So technically I'm a professional dancer. <laughs> Thanks to Martha and all of my friends who clubbed in and just realized that this was what I needed when I had no idea that I did. And I suppose really what Martha has taught me is that a wheelchair or a crutch or a cane it's not some badge of failure that means that you're hopeless and helpless and your life is over if it's the right tool it can give you back to yourself and that's how i got reborn that story was from Isolde Obrolachan Carmody and I really hope that I get to see her dance for real, uh, you know, in a physical show where I can applaud and roar and cheer afterwards. That story was bringing to a close a wonderful uh, collection of stories that we just all thought were incredibly hopeful. And hopefully you get them and you maybe might feel a little bit more, you know, uplifted and, and positive about the things that are in store for 2021. Um, for us, 2021 will still be lots of online events. We do have our very first show, which you may have heard advertised on this podcast, um, starting on January 13th, and that's as part of First Fortnight. And the theme there is community. So especially for our overseas listeners, you know, if you ever wanted to share a story with us and uh, join a, an Irish audience and, you know, become part of maybe a, a new community, we would love to hear your stories inspired by that theme, community. The night is being held in association with Volunteer Ireland as well. Um, so we just can't wait for that show to begin. So that's January 13th. Tickets are on sale now. Just head over to the website, thedublinstorieslam.com. Okay, folks, we're going to close off this program with a message of thanks to everybody who has come along to a show, who has told the story. Thank you so much for being part of this wonderful community. And as I say, you know, stories are the one thing that brings everybody together. So hopefully you've enjoyed your time um, with the storytellers and with ourselves. And you will continue to do so well into 2021. My name is Julian Clancy and I produce the Dublin Story Slam and I will speak to you very soon in 2021. Have a wonderful New Year's. Bye. The Dublin Story Slam is part of the Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts, as is my podcast, Science Drops. You can find more great shows at thewarren.ie.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 